Welcome to day number 17 of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. We are going to pick it up right where we left off yesterday in our Reading Through the One Year Bible Plan, and that is Genesis chapter 35, starting in verse 1. It says, Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household, Get rid of all of your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. We are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings and buried them under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area. So no one attacked Jacob's family. Eventually, Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel, in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethiel, which means God of Bethel, because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Soon after this, Rebekah's old nurse, Deborah, died. She was buried beneath the oak tree in the valley below Bethel. Ever since, the tree has been called Alon Bekath, which means Oak of Weeping. Now that Jacob had returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Ah, see what's going on there. Israel, does that sound familiar to you? Yes, this is the nation that God would choose. It comes from Jacob, which was promised originally to Abraham. Anyways, verse 11. Then God said, I am El Shaddai. God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. Which we got to pause there because that should start setting off our Bible radars when we see be fruitful and multiply. Uh, it should sound familiar already in our reading through the one year Bible because in Genesis, after creation, God commands Adam and Eve to what? To be fruitful and multiply. God wants his family to multiply, which is really interesting because we get to the New Testament. After Jesus has um, started this new covenant, this church of his body, and he commands us as his followers to what? To multiply. We are to go out and invite people into the family. Yeah, it's, it's echoes all the way back to Genesis. It is, it is showing us something that is to come thousands of years later. Really, really cool how the Bible all works together and all points to one person, his name being Jesus. Anyways, continuing on in verse 11. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Which, let's pause there. <clears throat> Because I think that's beautiful. Um, Rachel had given this baby a name, 
um, obviously she's on the verge of death, and she names son of my sorrow. Um, but the baby's father names him Benjamin, which is a name that means son of my right hand. So we're seeing a lot of name changes going on here in this text. And I think that's really interesting because I, I don't know how you would define yourself. Um, addicted, angry, greedy, whatever adjective you would fill in the blank with. Uh, I, I would just argue that you don't have to be defined by that. If you are in Christ, then you are defined as Christ would define you. I don't know who, who needs to hear that today, but you don't need to believe the lie that you are what you think you are. No, you are who God says you are in Jesus. Verse 19. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it can be seen there to this day. Then Jacob traveled on and camped beyond Migdal Eder. While he was living there, Reuben had intercourse with Billah, his father's concubine, and Jacob soon heard about it. These are the names of the twelve sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Billah, Rachel's servant, were Dan and Ephitali. The sons of Zilpha, Leah's servant, were Gad and Asher. These are the names of the sons who were born to Jacob at Paddan Aram. So Jacob returned to his father Isaac in Mamre, which is near Kareth Arba, now called Hebron, where Jacob and Isaac had both lived as foreigners. Isaac lived for 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died at a ripe old age, joining his ancestors in death, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Chapter 36 This is the account of the descendants of Esau, also known as Edom. Esau married two young women from Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Obaliah, the daughter of Anna, and granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite. He also married his cousin Basemath who was the daughter of Ishmael and the sister of Nebioth. Ada gave birth to a son named Elazapheth for Esau. Basemath gave birth to a son named Rahul. Oholamiah gave birth to sons named Jehush, Jalem, and Korah. All these sons were born to Esau in the land of Canaan. Esau took his wives, his children, and his entire household, along with his livestock and cattle, all the wealth he had acquired in the land of Canaan, and moved away from his brother Jacob. There was not enough land to support them both because of all of the livestock and possessions they had acquired. So Esau, also known as Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. This is the account of Esau's descendants, the Edomites, who lived in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons, Elizaphath, the son of Esau, wife of Adah, and Reuel, the son of Esau's wife, Basemath. The descendants of Elizaphath were Timon, Omar, Zepho, Gadam, and Kenaz. Timah the concubine of Esau's son, Elizaphath, gave birth to a son named Amalek. These are the descendants of Esau's wife, Ada. The descendants of Raul were Nahath, Zerah, Shaman, and Mizah. These are the descendants of Esau's wife, Basemath. Eliza also had sons through Eliamah, the daughter of Anna, and granddaughter of Zibion. Their names were Jehesh, Jalem, and Korah. Let me pause here, um, because... I think we see something very important, and that is you should give your kid a normal name so other people don't struggle to pronounce it. Now, that has nothing to do with the Bible other than these names are impossible, and I feel bad for some of your kids because their names are crazy. Anyways, verse 15. These are the descendants of Esau, who became the leader of various clans. The descendants of Esau's oldest son, Elizaphath, 
became the leaders of the clans of Teman, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gadam, and Amalek. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom who descended from Elizapath. All of these were descendants of Esau's wife, Ada. The descendants of Esau's son, Reuel, became the leader of the clans of Nahath, Zerah, Shaman, and Mizah. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom who descended from Reuel. All of these were descendants of Esau's wife, Basemath. The descendants of Esau and his wife, Ohamaliah, became the leaders of the clans of Jehosh, Jalem, and Korah. These are the clan leaders who descended from Esau's wife, Ohamaliah, the daughter of Anna. These are the clans descended from Esau, also known as Edom, identified by their clan leaders. Verse 20. These are the names of the tribes that descended from Seir the Hortite. They lived in the land of Edom, Lotan, Shobel, Zibion, Anna, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the Horite clan leaders, the descendants of Seir, who lived in the land of Edom. The descendants of Lotan were Horah and Himam. Lotan's sister was named Tinnah. The descendants of Shoel were Alvin, Mananath, Evelyn, Shepho, and Onam. The descendants of Zibion were Ahath and Anna. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the wilderness while he was grazing his father's donkeys. The descendants of Anna were his son, Dishon, and his daughter, Oholomica. The descendants of Dishon were Hemden, Eshban, Ithran, and Karan. The descendants of Ezer were Bilhan, Zevan, and Akan. The descendants of Dishan were Uz and Iran. So these were the leaders of the Horite clans, Lodin, Shobel, Zibion, Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. The Horite clans are named after their clan leaders who lived in the land of Seir. Verse 31. These are the kings who ruled in the land of Edom before any king ruled over the Israelites. Bela, son of Beor, who ruled in Edom from his city of Dinabah. When Bela died, Jehob, son of Zerah, from Bozarath, became king in his place. When Jobabab died, Husham, the land of the Tezmerites, became king in his place. When Hushman died, Hadad, son of Bedad, became king in his place and ruled from the city of Avith. He was the one who defeated the Midianites in the land of Moab. When Haddon died, Belhanan, son of Akabor, became king in his place. When Belhanan, son of Akabor, died, Hadad became king in his place and ruled from the city of Pau. His wife, Mehetabalom, the daughter of Matrid and granddaughter of Mehazab. These are the names of the leaders of the clans descended from Esau, who lived in the places named for them, Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Ohomaliah, Elofinan, Kenza, Timon, Mibazar, Magdiel, and Iram. These are the leaders of the clans of Edom, listed according to their settlements in the land they occupied. They all descended from Esau, the ancestor of the Edomites. What in the world um, is going on in this text? These are the parts of the scriptures where um, oftentimes we get bored and we stop reading because it just seems like a whole bunch of names, and it is a whole bunch of names. But we have to remember that uh, the Bible wasn't written just to us, and by us I mean uh, people living in 2020 in the United States of America, or, or really anywhere uh, in 2020. It was written across all cultures and times, but it was originally written to the Israelite people. And to the Israelite people, those verses aren't boring at all. It's telling their story. It's telling where they came from. Uh, it's kind of like when you get some kind of information on your ancestors. It's kind of cool. I don't know. For me, it is. 
Anyways, I, I would love to do one of those ancestry DNA things where you send in some of your DNA and you get a whole bunch of information back about where you came from and who your ancestors were. Now, to other people, your DNA and your ancestry is just really not all that interesting. But to you, it's fascinating. You, you want to learn more about your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents because they led to who you are. Their story affects your story. And so for the Israelite people, this was very interesting information. It told them about their past, which would inform their future. And for us, it really shouldn't be all that boring because the history of Israel is actually the history of Christianity, which is, if you are a Christ follower, truly the history of you. And that past ought to inform your future. Anyways, moving on to our New Testament reading, Matthew 12, verses 1 through 21. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. So, pause here. On the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work in Jewish history uh, and in, in Jewish uh, thought. Uh, so Jesus and his disciples are technically breaking the laws of the Pharisees um, because they are breaking off the heads of grain and eating them. Now, obviously, uh, that law really would be referring to people who are doing it as a job, working all day. These guys are just hungry, and they're just getting a snack. But the Pharisees, looking for something to call Jesus out on, say, hey, you guys are you're harvesting grain on the Sabbath. So verse 3, Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Oof really powerful text there at the beginning of Matthew chapter 12. Um, we, we must understand that God created his laws for the good of his people. He did not create his people for the good of his laws. In other words, God wasn't like, ooh, I've got all these really cool rules, and now I'm going to um, put some people in there to follow them. No, God's like, I, I love these people, and they need boundaries to keep them safe. So the reason you put a fence in your backyard when you have a kid is to protect your kid. Um, but they're not stuck in the fence, right? Like in, in certain circumstances, you probably take them outside of the fence, but you're with them and you're making sure they're safe. And it makes sense because the fence isn't the point. The point is your child's safety. Well, here Jesus is saying, what's more important than the letter of the law is the heart of the law. Really important. And Jesus um, has the right to break the law whenever he wants. Why? Because he is God. He's the one who created the law. Verse 9. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. <laughs> it's crazy. I uh, see the Pharisees got caught up, and, and we can still do this today, got caught up in the letter of the law, following 
law and they forgot that Jesus really and God really pins the whole law and the whole law's purpose is that you would love God and you would love people. Don't ever let your religion get in the way of you loving God and loving people because that's not true religion. That's false religion. That's pharmaceutical religion. That's the kind of religion that we see in verse 14 plots to kill Jesus. Verse 15, but Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left that area and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I'll put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. Beautiful. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter three, verses 21 through 26. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. And finally, our psalm of the day, we will be praying through Psalm 15. I would encourage you to take some time today to do that as well. A psalm of David. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter in your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Oh, Lord, um, by these standards, I know that I cannot enter your presence. Lord, if the one who can enter your presence must be blameless and do what is right, Lord, that is not me. I am a sinner. I have no hope if this is what I need to enter your sanctuary. And yet, Lord, I am praying to you right now in your presence because there was one who came and lived the blameless life I could not live. There was one who came and did what is right, even in the areas that I know I struggle time and time again to do right. His name is Jesus, living the perfect life, dying the death I deserved, and giving me that righteousness so that I might come in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for that gospel, that good news message, that I don't have to be blameless or do what is right to earn your love. But because of your love, I can now try to live a godly life without the pressure of having to do it all right so that I get your approval. I am approved because of what Christ did on my behalf. Thank you, Lord. Verse 3. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Yes, Lord, I have done all three of these things. Lord, help me to be a person who avoids gossip. Help me to be a person who loves my neighbors. And help me to be a person who always speaks kind words of my friends. Verse 4. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Oh, God, that end of verse 4 there really gets me. Keep their promises even when it hurts. Lord, help me be a person who cares more about integrity than I do comfort. Help me to be a person who, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Help me to be a disciplined person, Lord. I can't do it on my own. I need your power. I need the power of your spirit. But Lord, that's that's a part of the gospel. Not only have you died for my sins and sent your sons so that I might have righteousness, but you tell me you've, you've left me with the Holy Spirit. He indwells me, and I have power to do this. Lord, empower me to do this. By your grace, let me be a person who keeps my promises. 
even when it hurts. Verse 5. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. Lord, I want to be a part of such people. Um, Lord, I know that my only hope, really, because I've fallen at all of these, is Jesus. Um, but Lord, even in that, Jesus calls me to a standard of living that is higher. And I believe that through his grace and his power, I can begin to look more and more like this, more and more like your son over time. And I pray that your grace would empower me to do that, that I would not grow complacent, but that my integrity would be increasing, my courage would be increasing, that I'd be growing in godliness. In your name I pray, amen. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today for our reading through the Bible, the one-year Bible. Uh, we are reading out of the New Living Translation, NLT, if you'd like to go back and read any of what I read to you today. Hope to see you back here tomorrow for day number 18 of reading through the Bible together.